Cube. Uh, my name is Jordan Mayo and I am the lackadaisical liberal cubicleist. Has it been a while? I can't actually remember. Did I drop an episode last week or has it been two? Who can say? Who can say? Well, people who, you know, look into this sort of thing, I assume. Uh, Alright, so uh, if you're unfamiliar with this podcast, first of all, you're joining at episode 619 and for that I love you, like a little bit, because it means you're a weirdo sees a podcast joins an episode 619 you know what if i were to tell someone where to start i don't know maybe episode 500 yeah that's probably what i would do i mean you could start at the beginning but is that a good idea necessarily i feel like no is my microphone better worse better worse better worse what is this a uh, audio uh, test at your at your doctor at your your ear nose and throat ear specifically? No, but if it was, you would have passed probably if you heard that. Oh boy. <clears throat> uh, okay, so have a few things planned today. Your usual movie wrap up. Uh, why don't I do that first and perhaps do it quicker than normal? Movie the first from twenty twenty two. Nope. Uh, good thing I got my pop filter on for that one. Nope. Uh, the residence of a lonely gulch. I love gulch. Just as a word, gulch is pretty good. In inland California, bear witness to an uncanny and chilling discovery. Ooh. Yeah, uh, this is a Jordan Peele joint, I suppose you would say. Another in his, uh, you know, sort of freaky horror. Is it horror? I suppose there is horror. Depending on if, getting into spoiler country here, you're scared of aliens. Oh, so it's aliens, you say. Or is it? There you go, I left it open. Left it open for you. Definite uh, sci-fi sort of vibe, and also that's what it says in IMDb. Horror, mystery, sci-fi. Wait, does it always give three? Huh. I guess it always gives three, uh... Uh, okay, so let me give a little tease for the next ones. We've got documentary, comedy, family, okay, crime, drama, horror, uh-huh. drama, horror, mystery, mm-hmm. comedy, drama, family, and last but not least, action, crime, drama. <laughs> I don't think I've ever really noticed those. Um, yeah, I, I, I'd almost go as far as to say unsurprisingly at this point, uh, uh, when it comes to Jordan Peele and movies of this ilk, pretty goddamn good. Yeah, I uh, watched it with the missus, of course. Uh, she was a big fan of, oh, shoot, what was the last one called? You know, the last movie that Jordan Peele made, uh, which is, of course, called Get Out, as we all know. Well, that wasn't the last. Us was last, which we also enjoyed. Regardless of the order in which his... Uh, uh, sort of scary horror movies come out we've enjoyed them all uh this one being no exception you know what what would i rate that's a good question uh well rating of course i i probably would have gone what like a four and change if i had to guess yeah somewhere in that neighborhood but i'm thinking what order would i put them in get out us and this one now <laughs> nope get out us nope I think I'd still go get out 
as first, then maybe nope, and then maybe us. Yeah, that, that, that feels uh, feels accurate to me. Uh, what is your order <clears throat> of the Jordan Peele uh, trilogy, as it is now, I guess? Interesting. Moving on to, from 2016, Chicken People. No, this isn't about Chicken Lady from uh, Kids in the Hall, although that's a documentary I would watch. No, instead, Chicken People is a funny and uplifting look at the world of show chickens. Did you know that was a thing? You do now. And the people who love them. Starting at the largest national poultry competition... The largest national poultry competition is a funny sentence. Likened, or I, I, the, another word I like, likened. You don't you don't get to see that very often. Uh, likened to the Westminster Dog Show for chickens, Chicken People follows three top competitors over the course of a year as they grapple with life's challenges while vying to win the next year's crown. We'll oh, get a long one here. <clears throat> Sometimes on IMDb, the descriptions are so long, you have to click them, and it takes you to another page, which is what has happened here. Uh, vying to win the next year's crown, both humorous and heartfelt, Chicken People is an unforgettable celebration of the human spirit. Okay, calm down. <laughs> calm down there, IMDb description writer, summary writer. I don't know if it was quite that. In fact, uh, you know what I'm realizing now? The Misses, who I watch this with, which... All but one of these movies. Uh, you know what? And you know what? Uh, okay, here's, here's something I'm going to do. Uh, if I get through talking about... Or, sorry, when I get through talking about all these movies, uh, you guess correctly which one I did not watch with The Misses. And, uh, you know, I'll give a little hint. It's obvious. Um, you get a prize. Yes. A prize. The prize may be the knowledge that you had a job well done, but it is a prize nonetheless. Uh, yeah. So, uh, the reason I bring her up in this case is because she didn't want to finish it. <laughs> we were like, man, I feel like we were only like 10, 15 minutes from the end. And she's just like uh, over it at that point. So I liked it a little more than that. I'd probably go you know, uh, for the most part, two out of five, but some interesting three out of five moments because these individuals, it has a very sort of uh, best in show vibe, but imagine taking a, a, an incredible masterpiece like the movie best in show incredibly, you know, well written, although not too written. So they say well performed, let's say. Uh, uh, a movie like Best in Show, and then instead of that, have real people, which is interesting, sure, but uh, not as good because it's not, you know, professionals. It's just folks. They are interesting folks who love chickens, so, you know, you have that going for you, but they're just folks. Mm -hmm. uh, moving on to uh, a, a definite Mrs. Selection, Orphan colon first kill somehow some way and i've never really been able to pin her down on it which i feel like this is not the only case like rush hour probably being the prime example but orphan is like probably in her top like three movies like i i, I come into her room and she's watching orphan in an inordinate amount of time so 
when we learned of the existence of Orphan Colon First Kill, of course we were going to watch it. Of course. I was a little reticent, to be honest, because, um, I don't know. It's just like, the, the, the movie's fine. It's just, I, I wondered how they were going to basically redo it. Like, once you know the the little twist of the original Orphan, why do you need to watch it again? Uh, after orchestrating... Or- Orchestrating a brilliant escape from an Estonian psychiatric facility. That is a cool... Th- that just sounds cool right there, right? Orchestate, orchestrating a brilliant escape from an Estonian psychiatric facility. Whew. Esther travels to America by impersonating the missing daughter of a wealthy family. Yeah, that was sort of a interesting idea. So if you're uh, unfamiliar with, I guess, the Orphan franchise at this point, I think they did kind of set it up for another one. Uh, this little girl who is in fact an adult and a psychopath, um, tries to get adopted, uh, with families. Um, we sort of learn in this one that it's more for the purposes of like robbing them, but she's also kind of a, a psychopath. So usually wants to get, you know, busy. Hmm with the fathers, which as you can imagine, quite often doesn't go very well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Aha. Uh-huh. Uh, now, sort of interesting about this as well is the actress who plays the titular orphan, <laughs> titular, uh, has obviously grown up, and this is a prequel. So, uh, she was, you know, young... Uh, we did. We actually did the math. I, I I can't remember what it was when she filmed the first one. Which when did that come out? <laughs> Let's open our uh, IMDb. Isabel Herman. Oh wow! Look at her fancy picture there. Doesn't even look like her. Wait, is she in the Hellraiser? Hmm. Okay, so two thousand nine. She was an orphan. Uh, and she was born in 97. Okay, let me get a calculator. Uh, I'm sure this has come up innumerable times on the podcast that I can't do even basic math. Okay, so 2009 minus 1997. So she was 12. She's 12? Wow, I thought she was actually older than that. Okay, so she was 12 in the first one. So, you know, she was a small girl. You know, one of the uh, things I was going to talk about is I have a 12-year-old girl coming over (laughs) today. Um, Well, that sounds weird. Okay, well, (laughs) wait for the explanation for that later, I guess. Uh, Okay, so, and then 1997 minus 2022. So she's 25. Yeah, so quite a difference. So they did have to use some body doubles. Um and do some, you know, fancy uh, 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 Gandalf and Bilbo-style uh, uh, screen trickery, let's say. And to be honest, it was, it was a little on the obvious side. Uh, humorously so. Humorously so, I found. Uh, so we've got Julia Stiles. Lovely. Uh, Hero... Uh, Kanagawa, who you may uh, recognize. I think he was from Lost, right? You know what? I wanted to look that up. He was in Lost, wasn't he? Uh, Oh, yeah. He was in Discovery. Yep. Forgot about that. He's sort of a weird doctor in Discovery. iZombie. Oh, okay. Maybe that's where I'm... uh, 
Was he? Wasn't he in Lost? I know there's the other guy, but I thought he was in it too. Uh, scrolling down. Wow, he's in a lot of shit, man. The one hundred. Arrow. When was Lost? I'm back into 2010 here. Supernatural game show host. <laughs> was that like a? Uh, what's the Loki? Was that a Loki episode? Da Vinci City Hall TV series. Okay, God's Baboons. Perfect. You ever go through someone who's just got a really long and eclectic uh, IMDb like uh, this gentleman and just pick out weird things like Chaos and Desire, for example? Replicant. Best in Show. Oh my god, that's weird. He's a pet shop owner in Best in Show. Huh. Strange stuff. Outer Limits. Okay, I'm, I, I either missed Lost or he wasn't in Lost. <clears throat> oh, he was in The Net. That's weird because I've had a hankering to rewatch The Net. The Sandra Bullock vehicle. Mantis. Bill and Ted's Excellent TV, uh, Excellent Adventures TV series. He played Elvis 2. What? Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, the TV series. Do I remember that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. Look at the IMDb of this. It is bad looking, that show. All right, so we did a little rabbit hole, which is fun. Uh, didn't I say at the beginning of this I wanted to do it quick? I did, and apparently I'm a liar. Uh, okay, so Orphan First Kill. Strangely, well, maybe not. Uh, I went into it with low expectations. This is actually a good lesson. This is a good lesson. I went into this movie with low expectations. Uh, the misses went into it with very high expectations. One of us liked it. One of us did not. <clears throat> she gave it a one... I, I actually got her rating because I was shocked that she didn't like it. She gave it a 1.5. I'd go like a 4. Yeah, like a, it, it was dumb. It was fun. Uh, a lot of action-y uh, and just sort of ridiculous what the hell's going on-ness, which I enjoy. Um, yeah. If you liked the first one, you may or may not <laughs> like this one, basically. Uh, moving on to another selection of the misses, uh, Mr. Harrigan's Phone. Oh, starring, of course, Donald Sutherland and uh, Jaden Martell. Oh, you know what? You know what? <clears throat> I kind of missed doing the podcast because, <laughs> not that I'm not doing it, I obviously am, but... Um, like when I did it on a more regular basis, I would, you know, talk about a movie here and realize, oh yeah, I wanted to look at uh, Jaden Martell's IMDb and see where I knew him from. Okay. Um, he is from Knives Out. Yeah. Oh, It. That's probably what I'm thinking of. Yeah, he was in It. All right. The remake, obviously. Uh, when Mr. Hurricane dies, Craig, the teen who befriended and did odd jobs for him, puts his smartphone in his pocket before burial. <laughs> when the lonely youth sends his dead friend a message, he is shocked to get a return text. Now, uh, a real missed opportunity here in that uh, it could have been a ghost emoji. That would have been pretty pretty good that should be in the outtakes at the very least uh yeah so this is a horror film obviously uh it is 
Uh, something to do with Stephen King. From Ryan Murphy, Bloomhouse, and Stephen King. Now, was this a... You know what? I don't actually know. Um, like a lot of Stephen King-related horror, is it based on a short story? Oh, yeah, this is right here. Based upon the short story by... Mm-hmm. So, um, I don't know if it's still the case, but uh, there was a time, at least and I think it's still the case, where if you wanted to make a movie based on a Stephen King book, book, you, you know, have to pay a lot of money, like uh, you would for uh, most situations like that. Uh, you have a book, someone wants to make a movie on it, they're going to pay you, and they're probably going to pay you a fair chunk of coin. However, if you want to make a movie based on a Stephen King short story, he would charge you a dollar which is uh, why there exists uh, a fair amount of movies based on uh, Stephen King short stories. Uh, for example, um, what do we got? Uh, Shawshank Redemption. There you go. This is a sort of a, a prime example there. Uh, well, uh, shoot. Dog Tie Boss. What is that one? Green Mile? Um, Misery was an actual book. Anyways, there's a lot, needless to say. Running Man, kind of. Kind of. Not really. Um, uh, and uh, I guess that's the case here. Uh, PG-13, yeah, I feel like you could have gone R. Uh, although it does get a little uh, bloody and gross, but, you know. Uh, Rating-wise, I don't know if it was scary so much as interesting. I'd probably go like a solid 3, which if you're unfamiliar with... My particular rating scale, a three is enjoyed while watching, but probably wouldn't watch again. Or not even enjoyed while watching, but had moments of enjoyment while watching. That's, that's probably more accurate. Uh, and, and I think that falls into this. Uh, Donald Sutherland, you know, good and everything. Definitely uh, showing the age a little bit, but, you know, purposely so. He's supposed to be playing a very old uh, dude. Uh, the, uh, the, the, the main guy, Jaden Martell playing Craig. Yeah. I enjoyed him. He seems very, uh, earnest. Yeah. Uh, believably earnest, I would say. Uh, he's playing just sort of like a really good dude, which, uh, I, I feel like, I don't know. Do you see that in films as much as you used to? I feel like everyone's got to have that sort of that dark edginess, whereas he just sort of a very... Just a nice guy. <laughs> it always seemed like. Uh, you know, there's the supernatural element of it, which is interesting. Yeah, it's fine. Mr. Harrigan's phone, if you like this sort of thing, is fine. Moving on to, from 1992, uh -huh, Beethoven. What? A slobbering St. Bernard becomes the center of attention for a loving family, but must contend with a dog-napping veterinarian and his henchman. Oh, what a delightful, light-hearted romp that sounds. Dog-napping veterinarian. <laughs> okay, let me just throw something at you right here that I was shocked. Shocked, I say. Now, obviously saw this as a kid, 92, so I would have been 11. <laughs> yeah, probably good Beethoven years. So, uh, and Mrs., you know, she's the same age, so 
we had a, a hankering little nostalgia view as we do from time to time, which I recommend. Uh, one of the advantages of um, being, you know, 40 years old is that you have all those years to look back at and pick and choose those uh, those movies from the past and say, hey, I haven't seen this in a long time. I wonder if it holds up. This one, I would say it does not. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it definitely... Uh, the, the pace and the, the jokes... I'm doing air quotes here. The jokes... Um you know, few and far between, I felt like, and probably watching this in 1992, I would have given it like a four or five, probably would have goddamn loved it. Now giving it like a, like a two, uh, and last, maybe the odd fun three, four moments, but, uh, overall, I don't think it holds up, uh, which is a shame too, because I'm a big, uh, Charles Grodin fan and he, which is sort of, Milk toast, I believe, is a word I might use. Just sort of there, it felt like. Which is a shame, because his comedic chops are, you know, huge. So it would have been a nice to see them uh, displayed better. Mm. Anyways, so what I was going to say, the, the, the shocking revelation of rewatching this movie is this fucking veterinarian played by Dean Jones, Dr. Varnick. Yeah, his henchmen Oliver Platt and Stanley Tucci, if you can believe it, that's uh, that was a surprise. Uh, we got David Duchovny, Pat Patricia Heaton, We've got a few names that you will recognize, I'm sure. Anyways, anyways, um, the, the 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 evil master plan of this evil veterinarian is that he needs to, and I am not making this up, he needs to test guns on dogs' heads. Literally, he's an evil veterinarian who takes guns and is given guns and bullets that need to be tested. How would you test guns and bullets? Surely on some sort of, uh, like, buster from Mythbusters thing. I'd get a goddamn watermelon, maybe. A watermelon with a, with a soccer helmet on it. I don't know. Do you really need to test it on a goddamn dog's heads? Insane. And... I'm seriously like that. That's that's what the fuck. And he needs, in some cases, to test the you know the really uh, expensively made bullets. He needs big dogs' heads. For example, dogs' heads that are attached to Saint Bernards. What the fuck? Yeah, guns on dogs' heads. Beethoven. Enjoy. 1992. Moving on to from 1991. Oh, going back here. <laughs> Uh, I don't know if I saw this in 1991. I do remember seeing this. And for some reason, uh, we're talking from 1991, Stone Cold. Mm -hmm. For some reason, I think this is one where I have certain movies. The Secret of Nim is always the first on my mind. And Ghoulies. There's certain movies, and both the missus and I have this. Um, there was, uh, and still is, a store called Canadian Tire here in Canada. And back in the day... At least the one in our town did. I don't know if it was a universal Canadian Tire thing. It seems kind of weird if it was, but maybe it was, where they would rent videos. They would rent VHS cassettes. Yes. And the cover of this one is one of the ones that I feel like I remember. Uh, again, with The Secret of Nim is one that uh, I could picture it so clearly with the little green tag, uh, the little green Velcro button on it, which meant it was available. 
<laughs> because that's how they tracked it, I guess. You would, uh, 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 yeah, like, what was the system there? There was, like, green if they had it, red if they didn't. I think that was the system. Uh, and then you would, like, bring up the tag, and it would have the number on it, and then they would give you the VHS. Or no, if it didn't have a tag, maybe that's what it was. Yeah, that's probably more accurate. Uh, you bring up the little tag with the number. Here's your video, sir. Here's Stone Cold. It's about a tough Alabama cop who's blackmailed by the FBI into going undercover in a violent Mississippi biker gang. Wait a second. He was blackmailed? <laughs> uh, I thought he was, like, gung-ho. Like, he seemed like he really wanted to be involved with it. In, in fact, there was 100% a couple of parts where they wanted to pull him out of this undercover uh, stuff, and he refused. So, what the hell? the hell uh i'm mdb writer uh synopsis sorry summary writer it's funny because um i find the uh the imdb summaries are sort of really good or like this one <laughs> i don't want to say really bad or bad and there's uh uh, yeah, whoever's writing them needs a little more consistency. Okay, so we're starring Brian Bosworth. Now, apparently, uh, I did a little research, believe it or not, and he was a uh, NFL, which uh, I believe stands for National Football League, a star of some sort, star player, I don't know, what, what do you say? A sportsman? He was an NFL sportsman? Um, He's got a... A uh, sort of quintessential, almost like Duke Nukem. Yeah, he looks a lot like Duke Nukem. You know what? If they ever made a Duke Nukem movie, which have they? Hmm, they need to get a 1991 Brian Bosworth, and he'd be freaking perfect. Um, it's that chin, especially sort of very uh, 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 pronounced, slight bumness. What do they call that? Cleft. Um, okay, uh, we've got Sam McMurray. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your favorite. Richard Grant makes an appearance. Loves it. And if you're going to have a bad guy in your movie, let me give you a little piece of advice. Lance motherfucking Hendrickson. Lance Hendrickson as your your evil biker the cult leader. Kind of, sort of. Yeah, biker cult. Kind of a gang. Kind of a cult. Uh, uh, we've got William Forsythe. Him as well. Oh, my God. These are names that I think they might kind of fall into the category of who? <laughs> but then when you see them, you'll be like, oh, that guy. Uh, yeah, guaranteed. Go look at this IMDb and the, the names I am saying. Well, Lance Hendrickson, I feel he, he's probably the most popular. Uh, I, I, he, he definitely falls into the category of actors who I feel like I could just watch in anything. He's, he's always good. Uh, okay, I just double-checked that he's still alive. Perfect. Perfect. He's in Hard Target, Aliens, of course. Alien vs. Predator. Hmm. Was he? Quick and the Dead? Well, I haven't seen that in a while. That, that one's a bit of a weird one, wasn't it? Like, uh, just the way it was shot, Quick and the Dead. Uh, anyway, Stone Cold. One of the reasons I wanted to watch it, and turns out rewatch it, because I did remember it a little bit, was uh, they did an episode of uh, How Did This Get Made, where they spoke of it uh, very highly. Just in terms of, should you watch this? And it uh, turns out, yes. Uh, and, and just the insane, over-the-top 90s action. Early 90s action. It, there's a definite vibe to that. And this has it in spades. And I would go 
Jeez, do I go five out of five? I mean, if you're going to say a movie made for, like, to judge it on what it is, probably five out of five. Just as a movie, maybe it's a little less. Like, it's not like, uh, you know, uh, I don't know. What's a good movie? Shawshank Redemption. There you go. Bring it around. All right. Moving away from movies, moving from movies, uh, going to do something I haven't done in a while, which is read a backstory, a character backstory. Yes. Um, so from your, well, yeah, this is going to come out in not too many days. Uh, just joined, I think I mentioned this last episode, the cast of a podcast called, uh, practical heroes. Uh, it is a D and D actual play podcast. I've recorded one and a half episodes, half because we did sort of a prequel introductory to our characters. So that was a, a cool sort of fun idea. And then like the first full episode, which I think, I mean, being there for the recording and such, it felt like it went very, very well. Yeah, uh, the group that I'm playing with is a lot of fun, uh, very nice people, which I feel like <laughs> playing D&D with just people who are nice and you get along with, that's like one of the, you know, basically best things in the world. It's just sort of period, full stop. And then when you can, you know, uh, have this thing be out in the world, this is why I like doing things on the internet. They're just sort of out there. They exist. Uh, this one you can, you know, we stream it on Twitch. Uh, so this will be, I think every other Saturday, uh, 9 a.m. Eastern. Uh, so the next one will be on the 29th actually. Yeah, there you go. Um, so that'll be from your perspective in a couple of days. If you're listening to this on Wednesday, October 26, 2022, when it drops, cause I always drop these on a Wednesday for some reason. I don't know. Just have always done that. Uh, anyways, uh, yeah, so you can watch it on Twitch. Uh, Practical Heroes is the name of the Twitch channel, and, uh, there's a few other things up there from time to time, some, some game, game gameplay, instead of, a D and d gameplay. Um, you can, uh, then watch it on YouTube, the Practical Heroes, uh, YouTube channel. Uh, uh, the DM, uh, Mitch takes the, uh, the, the VODs from, uh, Twitch and then throws them up on YouTube. Then you can also do, uh, uh, and listen to the podcast, just the, uh, the audio only version. So, you know, you got all the, uh, the, all the bases covered, which is pretty cool. Um, yeah. So you know, why not do that? So what I'm going to do is, uh, uh, as I've done, you know, quite a few times on the podcast over the years is, uh, read the character's backstory that I'm playing on, uh, this podcast, a character by the name of Chester Fields, Chester Fields, pleased to meet you. Is that his catchphrase? Sort of. Uh, Chester Fields, a, a true gentleman of this, uh, sort of Southern variety, uh, voice kind of, sort of, kind of, sort of stolen a little bit from, uh, Paul F. Tompkins, uh, the contraption air. In fact, I decided I'm going to make, uh, uh myself have a, uh, eccentric uncle named, uh, the contraption air. Uh, it's probably a, uh, artificer of some sort. Yeah, that makes sense. Contraption air artificer, obviously. Uh, he is a bugbear. Um... He is, uh, the eventual, well, we're, we started at level three, so currently I'm, uh, uh, shoot, what am I, am I two or one? I think I'm one, 
Rogue 2 Bard, my, my eventual level 20 game plan, which DM seems somewhat confident that we will reach there at some point, which is uh, exciting if that were to actually happen. I've, the amount of time I've played high level D&D is, you know, it just kind of doesn't happen for the most part, so that's exciting. Uh, my eventual uh, game plan is uh, Arcane Trickster Rogue for three levels, and then College of Eloquence Bard for 17 levels is, is my, my sort of, you know, uh, tentative behind-the-scenes game plan. Oh, yeah, giving you some behind-the-scenes action here. Um, we're kind of, sort of, kind of, sort of using the one D&D rule set, uh, just because, you know, it's new, it's in the testing phases, people are talking about it and we thought it would be cool. There's probably not too many podcasts out there, actual play podcast using it. Uh, so, uh, uh, part of that is we got level one feats. Um, some of the things you can't quite do cause we're using D and D beyond and it's obviously not yet built for one D and D. Um, so my background technically uh, is urchin. Uh, my level one feat is telekinetic. However, um, we've sort of nerfed it a little bit to not give a plus one. Well, to, uh, to uh, stats, I'll tell you my stats. So strength is 16. Yeah. Um, when I signed up or was invited, actually, uh, for this thing, they didn't yet have a strong character. Everyone had sort of used strength as their dump stat, so I wanted to get on on that. Uh, uh, because, you know, it's a, it's, it's a nice idea to have at least one strong person. Uh, dexterity is one, which, uh, you know, I'm feeling a little bit <laughs> in terms of armor class. Uh, constitution 11, which I'm feeling a little bit uh, in terms of hit points. Um, yeah, I, I have the, I think, out of the entire party, uh, have the least amount of, uh, hit points, despite the fact that we have, uh, let me open up the, we have a, uh, we have a fighter. Yeah. Okay. So that's obviously going to have more hit points than me, but we also have a wizard. Yeah. <laughs> a, a level three wizard with more hit points than me and a sorcerer warlock with more hit points than me. Because they both have 16 uh, constitution. What does the fighter's constitution have? 15. <laughs> and he has more too. But that's because he's got more hit die. Anyways. Um, so I put in a request. Uh, we, we sort of have a, a thread where we could request magic items. And I put a... Uh, Oh, shoot. I don't know how to pronounce that first word. I've never heard it said correctly. Parapet? 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 Of wound closure. Basically means if I get knocked down, I probably won't die. Probably won't die. Might not die. Less likely to die. Uh, because with this AC and these hit points, the fact is I'll probably be getting knocked down uh, a fair chance. Uh, I do plan for my first ASI to raise my constitution uh, by one, so that'll help a bit, and my charisma by one. Anyways, uh, intelligence is eight, which is funny because with the exception of the wizard, uh, I think we all have eight. Yeah, we all have eight intelligence, so we're a real bunch of dum-dums, which is fine. Um, one thing I've sort of done with regards to that is uh, because I am uh, barred with jack-of-all-trades, 
I know I'm saying things that if you don't play AT&D don't make sense, but that's fine. Uh, maybe you'll pick up on things through context clues. Hmm. Uh, so anyways, because I have jack of all trades from being a bard, um, I'm sort of treating the bump to, you know, uh, my intelligence based, uh, skills as something that I feel like I have in real life, which is sometimes people think I'm smart because I know a little bit about a lot of things. So if you know, just like a, just a minuscule amount about just a wide variety of things. Um, it probably enough to make you dangerous, but also it gives you the illusion of being smart. So I feel like that sort of explains the jack of all trades a little bit. Um, and why he doesn't necessarily sound dumb, mm -hmm. which also, uh, goes sort of hand in hand with his 17 charisma. Uh -huh. Yeah. Bard obviously got to get my charisma up there. Uh, we'll have it at 20 at some point, which will be fun. Um, wisdom 10. Yeah. Just right in the middle. Uh, so you know, not the best in fights, <laughs> but out of fights, you know, has, has proven useful. I'm okay in fights. Uh, it's just, I got to sort of stay away from the, the main action uh, uh, a little bit for, uh, spells. I've got mage hand and vicious mockery, uh, mage hand sort of in with that feat that I took telekinetic, uh, what we did to sort of balance it out a bit is uh, gave it a, 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 the ability to, um, instead of just shove, uh, I think it's five or ten feet, it, it can also knock prone. So, so that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, so that bounces it out a bit. Comprehend languages I took. Fairy fire, always fun. Healing word, uh, he's not going to be much in the way of healing, but I feel like just that one spell alone, healing word, 60 foot, just a little dab of healing is enough to uh, literally save lives in some cases to m make the difference between life and death, and it doesn't really cost you much to, to take it, so I figured, you know, why not? Uh, Silvery Barbs, which uh, there was some discussion of banning that one, which I'm not, I, I, I don't ban any spells. I'm not a big banning of anything at my table, but uh, I can, I suppose, understand some DMs not wanting certain things at their table. The only thing I... And I don't ban it, so I just make a deal with my players that if they don't take Counterspell, then none of my magic users have Counterspells. Because I <laughs> I used to call it the Fun Stopper. Just, you know, some cool magic's about to happen. I can't wait. Oh, wait, no, it doesn't happen. <sighs> I, I mean, that's one perspective. The other, I, I could sort of see the other, you know, the, the, the back and forth Counterspell sort of chess-like maneuvers there. Yeah, it's, it's sort of interesting, but, you know, I want magic to happen. I don't want it to not happen. Um, so, uh, Silvery Barbs, yeah, uh, that's proven useful a couple of times already. And uh, Unseen Servant, yeah, uh, which sort of goes hand in hand with the backstory that I'm about to read now. Uh, <coughs> Rambunctious. A word that Chester's parents, Sally and W.C., often use when describing his behavior as a toddler. A loving word to describe his personality, where those who did not love him might instead use a word like destructive. The Fields family ran a successful cartography shop in the not-so-bustling town of Edgecroft, a town made up of primarily two types of people. 
Those who loved a quiet, contemplated life in this remote place where not much happened, and those who, circum who, through circumstances beyond their control, found themselves stuck, bored to tears in a virtually unheard-of podunk burg. Chester would eventually develop into one of the latter. Cartography implements are expensive, so when Chester developed the uncanny knack for destroying them, Sally and WC, WC, which, by the way, stands for West Chester, racked their brains for ways to stop the precocious tyke. It was not until Chester started to use the eyepiece of a particularly elaborate sextant as a primitive horn that they realized as long as he had this in his hands, all other equipment seemed to remain relatively safe. Loving parents that they were, and continue to be, they decided to nurture this apparent aptitude for horn playing. While they purchased him some actual instruments over the years, Chester never gave back that original eyepiece. By the time Chester left Edgecroft, his skills at performance had already started to grow with some small renown, as did his general reputation for being a bit of a shit disturber. Thinking back on it, Chester realized he and his parents never even had a conversation about whether or not he would leave this quiet town and strike out uh, on his own for fame and fortune. It was as inevitable as the tides, but when he did leave, it was still a goodbye with many tears on both sides. The last thing his father said was a silly joke he had heard a thousand times that resonated so very hard this time. Chester... You're going to be so much better than all those other horn players, because with them, their long limbs of yours, you can really reach those high notes. Dragon's End, the city that rarely, if ever, sleeps, the Windy Apple. Upon arrival, Chester almost immediately got beaten, mugged, and accused of inciting a riot. While he was able to talk his way out of the charges, he found himself a small fish in a big pond, with not much in the way of skills other than his music and the odd bit of thievery just to make ends meet. It was during this time of his life that he came into contact with Kay to Bush, Druger and lead singer of the band Octarine Floyd. Kay either recognized Chester's talents or took pity on him, probably both, but she invited him to be a part of the band. It's not very long before Chester realized his new band mate's lavish lifestyle did not line up with what they were paid for their gigs. While his schooling, such as it was, never really took hold, he was a good talker, so eventually managed to pry little tidbits of data from each band member, tidbits that told the story. A story of a gang of criminals who hid in plain sight as popular musicians and who used their position of influence to gain access to places where others could not. The Brains. Lead singer K. Tabush. Uh, had the uncanny knack for making her voice resonate like she was deep underground where the Druger kin are often found. She had an eye for talent and seemed to be able to easily consider things from every angle. While ideas for their next heist could come from other sources, planning them was always up to her. She taught Chester Undercommon and Thieves Can't, and although she may not have known it, she was Chester's first love. Um, I found cool little uh, pictures of like all these people I'm uh, describing in the band. 
this is like a <laughs> like a, a kind of looks like a dwarf because a druger is basically kind of sort of kind of sort of a dwarf uh beard included <laughs> it's funny because you could type in female druger and find you know your typical uh, sexy uh, dwarf pictures you know your typical sexy dwarf pictures but uh, this one's not so i, I kind of like that for that reason anyways the tech on drums was armison the autonome oh yeah if you didn't guess k to bush is based on kate bush armison is fred armison mm-hmm. on drums was armison the autonome he would often hint that his creator made him to be a metal worker and judging by how hard he would hit those drums it is entirely believable putting things back together he was better at than most but it was taking a part of anything where he truly shone outfitting the gang with items needed to pull off what Kate outlined in her plans was his job and they worked together in harmony to make the impossible happen again and again the muscle multi-limbed zz the thrycreen wielded a sizable double-headed guitar with ease capable of a single-minded focus they could when needed use their prodigious strength in ways that were often as shocking as hearing his dulcet voice projected directly into your mind he has been with Kay longer than anyone and chester was never never able to pry from either of them the story of their meeting uh zz is in zz top which is the Canadian version of ZZ Top. Mm-hmm. Double-headed guitar, Thrycreen. Those things are freaking crazy. The Boom. Demolitions were handed by the Grady Twins. Possible to tell apart by anyone but Kay. They had the appearance of fairies. Sort of. The cello playing was often as haunting and disturbing as their almost completely pitch-black bodies. While a smile can light up the up a face theirs inexplicably had the opposite effects one would man the bow one the strings and like when building some form of explosive they would share an almost hive-like understanding of what the other was doing the voice chest of fields may have gotten into the band for his skills with the horn but quake but Kay quickly realized he had such a way with words that he could often get others to do his bidding without even realizing it. Chester ended up filling the role of manager and would negotiate with venues and individuals with wealth who wanted this up-and-coming band to play for them. It was one such negotiation that eventually led to the breaking up of the band and Chester's imprisonment. Um... Here I've said in big red letters in in the middle of the story, TBD, what they stole it from who, ideally something that fits story slash campaign type stuff. Uh, Yeah, so that's basically just something I as a DM like and uh, I as a player like to do for a DM, which is have something, you know, just obvious in your story that the DM can jam something in (laughs) <laughs> something in from uh, the story there, you know, trying to tell. Uh, it, it's just sort of a fun... Uh, and, 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 you know, what? the fact that it is obvious, I don't think detracts. Uh, I think it's... It, it, every time I've done it, it's worked out well. Uh, uh, just because it's... It, it allows things to gel together that much more easy, which is, uh, you know, fun. Um, okay, anyways. 
<coughs> Everything seemed to go off without a hitch. Octarine Floyd played amazing that night, and the crowd was truly electric. During the third encore, and while playing their number one hit, another brick in the ice wall. <laughs> I forgot that about that uh that chester felt a sense of family he did not know he'd been missing since he left home this made what happened next all the more devastating a tradition among the gang after a big heist was to meet at the small unassuming diner first thing in the morning at the small unassuming diner first thing in the morning no matter how late they were out the night previous no matter how hungover no matter what none of them had ever missed it chester was the only one to show up he waited he then waited some more he waited until the city guard came to arrest him sealing his fate and proving that some members of the group seemingly committed the dreaded double cross with no real solid evidence against him chester represented himself in court and while he was eventually charged with conspiracy and sentenced to two years in prison he considered himself lucky as it could have easily been much worse chester spent the first month after this after his release trying to find out what happened but his funds quickly dried up making any further investigations untenable his luck has continued to decline to the point where he was forced to pawn his old sextant slash horn just to buy some food while his mojo is not gone per se chester has reached an impasse and must make a difficult choice Return home, copperless and broken, or grab on tight to the next opportunity that comes along to make some cash and better yet accrue those lofty heights of fame and fortune that tend to open doors. With those tools, he could not only find out what happened to his former band slash gang members, but also live a life of ease, which was instilled deep down by his loving parents the beginning uh yeah so uh that's his uh uh backstory such as it is um oh you know what uh, i posted a like a one of the the plans i have is he's not going to tell his new uh com his new adventuring companions that you know he was part of this heist and you know he's just a bard he, he was part of a band so i posted a sort of spoiler free secret free version of this backstory uh i, I suppose i just realized you know i don't think any of the people <laughs> listen to this but if they did they would now uh, know that he's a you know former heister which is someone who does heists a heister yeah you didn't know that little known fact uh, additional notes ideas okay yeah uh, the life of ease he's striving for is already evidence of his blooming skills with the spell mage and as well as his unseen servant belvedere oh yeah so uh, one area just in terms of mechanics that i'm focusing on to match the rp which is always fun when you can sort of combine those two things uh, is that he's lazy. <laughs> and part of that laziness is he uses, like, Mage Hand for everything, uh, which also explains why it's reached the point where it's basically telekinetic, uh, and he can do some things where uh, some things he, he can do with it that others cannot, like that uh, knocking people prone, uh, where eventually, once he has his arcane trickster uh, subclass, he'll be able to do things that others can't, uh, just as this, he's sort of, you know, focused his, uh, 
laziness in this one area. Uh, eventually, I want to take things like Bigby's hands and uh, the actual spell uh, telekinesis, you know, things like that. Uh, anything to prevent him from doing, you know, manual labor, which is, <laughs> I sort of realized like halfway into creating this guy that I'm putting stats and strength because we need strength. Uh, in in you know it's a good idea to have at least one or two strong characters for things um and it's a it's a stat that my character doesn't want to use <laughs> so so me the player uh wants a strong character because it comes in handy but then the character doesn't want to use the strength because that's part of his you know <sighs> what have i done to myself basically what have i done uh the unseen aspect of Velvet, oh yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, this is a plan I have for the Unseen Servant spell. The Unseen aspect of uh, the Unseen Servant spell uh, has given Chester the odd jump scare, so he's fashioned a small felt mustache with clip that Belvedere fastens to, we assume, his nose when asked. Yeah, uh, whenever I have an Unseen Servant, which I've had more than one character with this spell, uh, I, he always calls him Belvedere. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, I always ask my players for two fears. Their PC might have a shallow and a deep. For Chester, I would say deep fear is probably dying alone, unknown and penniless. Mm -hmm. uh, and having not made a mark on the world. For shallow fear, I will say mimes. <laughs> oh, fuck yeah, I gotta remember that. Because their lack of sound slash talking is so antithetical to him that they freak him out. Bad childhood experience of some sort, perhaps. Uh, calls his mage hand Duke. Okay. Yeah, see, there's some things I don't remember. You know what I'm going to do? A southern accent. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, so some of this stuff I'm going to copy and paste over to my... Cause, uh, I'm reading this from an email. But I'm going to copy and paste mage hand. His name is Duke. Uh, and the Belvedere thing. That I remember. Mimes. Yeah, okay. I got a copy over mimes. Okay, folks. Uh, how long did I go for? I wasn't even paying attention. Oh, geez. Almost been an hour. All right. Well, nice long one for you, I guess. Unplanned, as will happen from time to time. You get talking and, you know. Oh, <laughs> I just realized I wasn't, I was going to end it and not explain that a 12-year-old is coming over. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so we're having a girls' night tonight. Hashtag girls' night. Hashtag girls' night. Uh, meaning, um, so one of my friends is coming over. Uh, it was the, uh, the girl who was the, I'm doing air quotes here, best man at my wedding. One of my favorite people in the whole world. So that's cool. I like that. Um, and then, uh, my wife is having a, a friend over as well. Uh, my friend as well. Uh, uh, you know, the, the, the type of person who I know and, uh, you know, I've got to spend time with over the years, but would like to do so more because, uh, I, I'm a fan of her. Uh, and she's bringing her daughter, her daughter who is uh, 12 years old and is basically like a small adult, uh, small adult, uh, one of the just, just oozing adorableness. Uh, she, uh, she stayed over once before because, uh, my wife took her, uh, horseback riding or just like 
to a barn and, you know, first time sort of sit on a horse, you know, get the feel of it, that sort of thing. Uh, so she stayed over here, uh, the, uh, the day before she did that, she freaking like got up and like made the bed like better than we do. And just, just like a, like a, like a real little adult, uh, and a, a pleasure to be around. So, you know, uh, we've got all that happening. And then me, and then me there as well for girls nights, which, uh, you know, I, uh, it, it, Back in the day, I probably had more, well, maybe it was close, but more girls' nights than uh, guys' nights. I didn't keep it the hell. I, I, like, I, like girls, I like girls' nights better. Yeah, that's right. I'll say it. I'll say it. Uh, so, yay that. Yay you for listening to this whole thing if you did. If you didn't, you're not hearing this and you're not getting your yay. You're not getting your full yay's worth. Yay's worth. It's nice to be nice to the nice. That was...